Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are now listening to the War Report Podcast Network. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the College Loop Podcast, episode 90 of the College Loop Podcast. We are 10 episodes away from the 100th episode of this show. So that's cool to think about. That's going to wow. be, what, in three wow. weeks? Three weeks? Four weeks? 3.1 week. There we go. 3.3. There you go. Or however math works. 3.3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3, uh, but yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, so just starting off, give a little roundabout. I'm Dylan Lark. I'm doing good. Tar, how you doing, buddy? Never better, man. Media day behind us. We have a we have an actual celebrity on the show right now, Mr. Colin Byersdorf, um, <laughs> making his appearance on the Paul Feinbaum show, and want to give him a huge shout out and tell him how proud we are of him. College Loop's very own. Um, I know Eagle Eye TV's very own, but also something that everyone else uh, in this in this group right now or on this on this uh, on this call right now. It's super proud that you're representing such uh, such an awesome brand um, in such a great way, Colin. So super super proud of you. Yeah, I had I had a blast at, at Media Day. Obviously, like like you said, I got to go talk talk some ball with Paul Feinbaum. Always, just hanging out, always fun. Yeah, just me and him talking ball. Um, it was my first Media Day. It was awesome to be there. Uh, met Mike G from the War Report. So dog, sorry I didn't come by the table after. But uh, yeah, it was a, it was a blast. Yeah, and Daniel, that's not how you're doing, buddy. Um, back home from vacation. Um, always a good time. Relax for a little bit. Um, just happy to be back, even though I didn't miss any time from the loop uh, related to that. But yeah, it's good to be here. Right on, dude. Let's jump into football, Dylan. Let's do it. Got uh, a lot. Right, just jump right in the football. This is going to be a very football heavy episode. So hopefully that that watch time. Which goes episode up isn't around here? <laughs> But should we do Media Day first or Theoretical yes, Thursday? Yes, absolutely. Let's run through Media Day real quick, and then let's get to Theoretical Thursdays. All right. So Auburn had their SEC Media Day on Tuesday at, again, 1 p.m. You can always go watch that. It's on YouTube, wherever you can find it. Just look up Hugh Freeze Media Days. And I got to say, Auburn, uh, Hugh Freeze, and Elijah McAllister, Luke Deal, and Cameron Stutz all had a really, really successful Media Day. And, and Auburn, like I said in the last last show, was one of those teams that really desperately needed that more than anything because you're first-year coach, uh, a guy who's kind of a controversial figure, uh, and you go into media, you talk, you talk about how the culture's changed, you talk about how uh, players are buying in, how the fans are buying in. You know, he brought up the whole season ticket record. <laughs> Excuse me. This was a very successful media day for Hugh Freeze and, and co. And I, I think that when we get into more of the questions that are answered, and if you watch the last episode, you already knew what questions he was going to get asked because we. I was about to say, we can we shout ourselves out for a second? We uh, we batted a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just to knock knock this conversation out of the way real quick, just to throw it away. Jarquez Hunter was mentioned, and I think Hugh Freeze answered it in the absolutely correct way you possibly can sure. in, the, in the circumstances. 
Sure. Uh, you, you, you leave it alone and, and you say, I'm not getting in the way of that. And that's pretty much what Hugh Freeze said. Um, I want to kind of open this one up to Colin here and get his thoughts since he, we had boots on the ground about uh, at, at SEC Media Day. And, and, and I think there's a true element of being able to read a room um, when you're there in person better than just watching it on TV. Colin, your overall thoughts and takeaways uh, from, from Hugh Freeze and co at SEC Media Day. The floor is yours, Mr. Byersdorf. Yeah, I think I think everyone there represented Auburn very well. Um, obviously, there's a little bit of cloud behind Hugh Freeze coming back to the SEC, and I think he handled that perfect. He um, he talked a lot about getting a second chance and how just grateful he was for that opportunity for Auburn. And to me, it felt like truly in that room, this was the first time that Hugh Freeze has been like in control of his own destiny since he was at Ole Miss. Like he felt like he controlled the room, and it was it felt good for me going forward it gave me a lot of hope and mixing in some some comedy and and trying to even i, I respectfully i think he freeze a little bit of a cornball sometimes but uh, <laughs> a little bit yeah for sure I, I think that comes with the with the generational thing though <laughs> um yeah. I, but i thought i thought tasteful right and um daniel your thoughts you know this is uh like, like colin said there's certainly this cloud that, that, that follows he freeze pretty much wherever he goes and will be that way for pretty much the rest of his career just just inherently, right? Um, I thought he handled that beautifully. I want to get your thoughts on that as well as his his comments about the trajectory of the Auburn football program and, and him commenting that he sees Auburn in the upper echelon of the SEC. Sure. So, yeah, kind of like you and Colin and Dylan have already said, um, the past is what it is. Um, the one thing about the past is you can't change it. Um, everyone makes mistakes. I'm not condoning the mistakes that he's made at all. Sure. Um, but he is in the very unfortunate position where, you know, anything yeah. he does, there's a camera in his face. Microsoft. And it has been that way. Yeah. You are your, – your life's not your own when you're at that level. Um, so, yeah. But kind of like Colin said, I think he handled it well. Um, he seems remorseful. And, yeah, kind of like – as far as the trajectory of the program, Tar, you've said this before, there are plenty of doubts about Hugh Freeze's character. And I'm not going to say rightfully so. I'm not going to say not rightfully so. That just there are. But no one doubts that he can coach football. Um, I've heard you say that a million times. Um, and I would have to agree because if you look at it, I mean, it's just hard to disagree. He turned an Ole Miss team that was really, really down bad when he took over the program to back-back wins over Nick Saban. Um, not very many people have done that. So, yeah, um, the trajectory of the Alvin program under him is good. Uh, it is heading in the right direction. Speaking of Nick Saban, let, let, let's talk about that quote from Hugh Freeze about Nick Saban. And, and, and I know it ruffled some Auburn fans' feathers to hear uh, the head coach of your football program say that, he is the, that Nick Saban is the king. Let me go ahead and lay this out in black and white where I stand, fellas. I'm open this up to the whole table. We'll let Dylan go first here because I, I think he's going to echo my sentiment. I think Hugh Freeze gave the perfect response about Nick Saban, uh, about saying, I respect folks, love them. Uh, yeah, I know you love to hate them. Nick Saban is the greatest college football coach of all time, period. And we are, we are watching masterclass college football coaching. And Hugh Freeze acknowledges that. But he also acknowledges that he's the only coach in 2007 with multiple wins over Nick Saban and back back year specifically, and said, yeah, I respect him. I'm going to continue to respect him. 
but we're going to try to beat the hell out of him. I don't think there's a better way to answer this, Dylan. No, because you're looking at it, and Alabama, for, for what Georgia is currently, Alabama has been for the past 16 years. Yes. Uh, Bama is the gold standard for a long, uh, longevity of success in the sport. Longevity. Longevity. What did I say? Longevity. Longevity. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but you you see what what Saban has done in Alabama and the time that he's been there and the, the national championship set no one else has more than than he does. Uh, you have to respect him, and if you don't respect him, it's just because you're upset you don't have him. And, yeah. and it hurts Auburn fans to say you got Nick Saban is the greatest coach of all time in college football, and there's no argue there's no argument about that. And if you want to argue about that, you your other option is the other Alabama coach that's, that was there, Bear Bryant. It's, it, pick your poison there. But Hugh Freeze, the only active SEC coach that has beaten Nick Saban twice. And you look at it, and he, he didn't just say, he didn't say, I, res- I respect the king. He didn't just stop there. He said, I respect the king, but I want to beat him. And that right there is exactly what you do. Respect your enemy, but acknowledge the fact that you are wanting to punch them into the ground uh, at first glance. Uh, and this is not like, oh, Nick Saban says buddy, buddy. That's not him saying condolences to his friend. That is him saying, I respect Nick Saban as a coach and a person. But when it comes to playing Alabama, I want to beat the ever-loving snot out of them. And he said it a little nicer than that, but <laughs> uh, I think it's a, that, that is exactly what you should say in that situation. A hundred percent. And, and there is, there is an element, like I said, folks, I know you hate him. I know that people watching the show hate Nick Saban. I get it. You're sick, you're sick and tired of him, you know, kind of being the, the premier name in, in, in college athletics, except the fact that he is the greatest. Um, this is the first coach that you've seen in, in, in three years now, um, because Brian Harson certainly never understood and, and never had a, a concept of what the hour bowl meant. I'm sorry. That, that's a fact. Uh, you can quote me on that Colin. go right ahead. He, he, had, he had no perception of what the Iron Bowl meant other than the fact that he probably watched it on CBS before. Hugh Freeze gets it. And 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 I'm, Dylan's looking his eye, looking up upward because you're, you're right. He's probably never did watch the Iron Bowl. You're probably right. Yeah. Um, you, you, you understood what the concept was. Yeah, I know, I know what you meant, but. Um, Brian, uh, uh, excuse me, Hugh Freeze took the – Gus Malzahn approach. Gus Malzahn always spoke highly Nick Saban. And, and I'm telling you, there is, if nothing else, learn your PR from Gus Malzahn because the son of a bitch was good at it. Um, he may have been an okay uh, kind of guy, but at the, at the end of the day, Gus Malzahn understood how to work the public eye and, and, and whatever PR boot camp or not that, that Auburn has put Hugh Freeze through or that he's put himself through, dude gets it now. And he may not have gotten it this point five years ago. He understands now that, the, that, the, that there's a microscope under even if you're a perfect human being taking a job like Auburn, you're going to be under a fine tooth comb. Uh, something else I wanted us to talk about, and I'm, I'm going to start with Colin here. Uh, very interesting talking point um, that we have not heard an Auburn coach come out and talk about openly and, at, at media days uh, in, in probably a half decade about play calling. Hugh Freeze mentioned that you know in in his in his days at, at Ole Miss that he was he was a hell of a play caller. Absolute fact. Absolute fact. Then he mentioned that he didn't do a great job at Liberty. Also true, one hundred percent true. He's handing the keys over to that. Excuse me, handing, handing the keys over to Philip Montgomery, Philip One L, uh, and then on the offensive side uh, of the ball this year. And 
Auburn fans, you guys should be happy to have a head coach that will look you in the eye now and say, look, I'm not calling plays. Or if he's going to call plays, would have told you right now, hey, I'm calling plays. But that is something that has been absent for quite literally a half decade. The last few years of the floundering Gus Malzahn era, which is probably the right way to describe it, right? Was, oh, I'm calling plays. Now I'm not calling plays. Now I am calling plays. Now I'm not calling plays. Brian Harson really never told us who was calling plays until he absolutely had to or wanted to throw someone under the bus. And Hugh Freeze is telling you right up front and honest, hey, look, I'm not calling plays. Colin, I think this is a, this is a good thing. You know, you know this in advance, right? Yes. Um, so coming as a Denver Broncos fan, uh, we just had the Nathaniel Hackett experience with play calling. And so I can 100% say with complete certainty that if your head coach can look himself in the mirror and say, I'm not the best man to call plays, that's a huge thing. And so Hugh Freeze saying that and saying that Philip Montgomery's got it, he talks so highly of them, how their systems are similar and how Philip Montgomery brings stuff that Hugh Freeze does not have and will improve the offense. Um, I think that just bodes well for the Tigers going forward. Yeah, and you look at it from uh, – you look at the other another coach in the SC who did – who got asked about the same question, uh, who also hired a, 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 another controversial figure who got hired in the SC this offseason by Petrino. Jimbo Fisher flat out said that, yeah, maybe I'll I'll call plays, but I'll I'll accept some suggestions from Bob Petrino. And then you have the. Then why'd you hire him? Exactly, you just hired a dude who's just gonna put you put your entire program under a bigger microscope than you already are. There's an argument that he said that Texas A&M is under a bigger microscope than Auburn is right now. Oh, for sure. you know, no, have, that's not an argument. That's a fact. <laughs> yeah, and you uh, he freeze acknowledges, and, and maybe that he wasn't that bad of a play caller at Liberty. Maybe it was just a talent level. Of not having SEC caliber players. No, there was some you know. there was some questionable play calling. Let's let's be honest. Yeah. No, I, I'm not I'm not knocking on it. I I, I still think he is a good hire. I just also like there were some questionable play calling. Okay. Situations. Yeah. And I look at what he said about Phil Montgomery and same minds offensively, but different lingo. And I thought it was really cool. It's one of those things where I was think it's really cool how how people say things like whenever we talked about uh, Ike Irish's ability to turn doubles into home runs and how that'd be dope. Right. How Hugh Freeze talks to coaches about game plans and he talked to different coaches and these coaches are now coaching at Alabama, now coaching at Georgia, coaching at LSU, like big time Auburn rivals. And Hugh acknowledges the fact that he's been talking ball with all these like different coaching staffs. Now they all know his lingo. Now that was really cool how he's now kind of meshed together Philip Montgomery's lingo with his, with his lingo and kind of make a new language of offense together to kind of use an offense that people aren't going to know the plays right away. And we talk about how like last year, the play calling was very it, 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 complex was the, was the, was the playbook, but simple. Was it in practice? Cause it, it looked bad. Sure. You have two guys who are really good at the at coaching offense, two guys who are really good at coaching quarterbacks. And one of the guys has been in the SEC before. So people kind of know what he's about. They kind of know what kind of plays he wants to run and what their names are going to be. But you bring in Phil Montgomery who has like the same idea for the offense, but you know, like maybe X, Y seven cross is now going to be B, C, D nine. That's up down left, right. Yeah. Yeah, Just different, different things mean the same thing. Now rip duo (laughs) 95 Kentucky. That's right. That's right. (laughs) And, And that, that was just really cool to think about the fact that he's, that this is an offense that, that the terminology that he freeze has been no, that he's known since high school, ever since his high school coaching days, he's just known these plays. These, this is his playbook. 
but now he's accepted the fact that his playbook is kind of kind of known now and now he gets to incorporate because we've heard so many times about Gus Malzahn giving the play calling ability to Chad Morris and that's just so whenever Chad Morris Chad Morris screws up it's Chad Morris's fault and whether that, that that's probably one of the worst hires at the OC position ever uh, for the Auburn Tigers but just looking at it from that perspective Mike Bobo you uh, argue yeah. You right is the correct response to that. What what A one B? What A one B? Daniel, Daniel, what's up, real quick? Um, so do you think if uh Hugh Freeze had four, four verts, four verts, everyone would know what to do? <laughs> Possibly. Uh, I think enough people played in somebody fourteen that they would. <laughs> it depends on. Well, I guess it's the four verts. Kind of depends on the formation. If it's shotgun five wide or shotgun four wide and tight end, you know, running backs in the backfield is going to run a little in route. So you know, I four play a lot. Tight ends, football. all verts. I'm all for that. Give me, <laughs> but I, the way he answered the question was just perfect because it's like really cool thing about the intermingling between coaches. And I've that. got, I've got a couple more talking points for this, Dylan. And I didn't really necessarily mean to run point, but I actually did make some notes about about when I went back and reflected. Like I said, I still to this to this moment haven't gone back and watched. I've just read the transcript, which I feel like yeah. doesn't really matter. I mean, it's the same concept, right? I want to start with Daniel here, Daniel. Um. Obviously, you were open to giving your thoughts about the the coordinator, uh, or excuse me, the delegation of responsibilities for play calling. But I kind of want to use that as a segue to ask you this question. It has been blank years since we've had this clear of an understanding of what a coach's a schematic approach is at Auburn. I'm not talking about, hey, you know, this is what our playbook looks like. But it has been this many years since we've been able to pinpoint and say, okay, we know who's in charge of what without beyond a shadow of a doubt. And we know that there's a clear vision from the schematic standpoint and, and from a holistic standpoint. How long has it been since we've actually known that preseason? Um, well, the first season that I heavily followed Auburn football is 2019. So I'm going to guess it was before then. Correct. Yes. Before then, I Dylan, I think the correct answer is probably 2015. So, so is this like a question where there's a definite answer or a question where it's kind of like my opinion? Fluid. It's fluid. It's fluid. Okay. Well, I've given my thoughts on the matter because I, I don't okay. know. Confidently not in the Harson era. Yeah. No. Right. That, I'll sign off on that. Sure. D- Dylan, you want, you want to take a stab at that one? I, I'm not saying there's a yeah, right, yeah. right or wrong answer. Run the question around me one more time just so I can get it, it all together. It has been blank amount of years. And, Colin, you're welcome to chime in. But blank amount of years since we have had a clear vision uh, or a clear understanding of where a coach's vision is at Auburn schematically and from a holistic standpoint about who's delegated what responsibilities and what their overall philosophy is. Because I think I think we know like we don't know the X's and O's and we shouldn't. We should never know the X's and O's, but we have a clear vision. Yeah, I would say between the 2014 and 2015 seasons. Uh, just because you come off of two pretty decent years, or well, one great year and one decent year for what it was for being two years out of the three and nine season. But I mean, you can also argue 2017, where that looked like Gus Malzahn had a different quarterback, so he kind of had to spread out the whole play calling ability. Because, sure. like, he, uh, Gus Malzahn's forte is not uh, pass first quarterback. It's always been the true dual threat guys, and that's kind of what Hugh Freeze has been rocking with as uh, during Liberty, and that's what he had the most success with. Sure. But you kind of see in 2017, Auburn had the most success, and, and, uh, and since 2013 at that point, whenever Gus Malzahn was able to take a step back, 
when it's like my offense is everyone knows my offense. I'm going to run the ball. I'm going to up tempo, all that jazz, all the stuff he wrote in his book. And he kind of backs off and lets Jarrett Stidham kind of do what Jarrett Stidham does with, I think, uh, 2017. Was that still Lashley? Or was I, I'm what? not. Uh, OC. Yeah. Yes, 17. Year, right, Lashley. Right, Lashley. Yeah. And that would have been like one of the last years of Lashley, too. And that's why he got hired is because Auburn saw the change in the off. Everyone saw the change in the Auburn offense with a different quarterback. Like if Gus Malzahn can't coach this guy, he's willing to take the step back. And now we're seeing that he frees in year one that he's willing to do that. And you're, I think you're looking it up. It's either, it's either Chip Lindsay or I Brent Lashley. It's, Lindsay. Uh, it, it's one of those two. And Kevin Dillingham, I think was 19. Uh, I'm trying to remember all the coordinators Auburn's had since then. Uh, I I think Lindsay. Lindsay. Yeah, and that's that why he got hired. That was actually his first year. Uh, year back. Yeah, because uh, then he went to Troy either yep. the, after that season or the year after. Uh, right. But you finally see Gus Malzahn take a step back. He's like, I can't coach this guy like I can with a Nick Marshall, right? Or uh, and he takes a step back because uh, Jared Stidham is nowhere near the athlete Nick Marshall is. Uh, mm-hmm. but he's that much better of a passer. Sure. And Gus Malzahn saw that, saw his forte, take a step back, let Lashley step in. And that's kind of why Lashley has been seen as kind of an up-and-coming coach now because he knows how well, to – He's also coach. doing very well at SMU, so. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. He's doing very well at SMU <laughs> <laughs> because of what people saw in, in 2017 whenever he was able to to control that team. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, Colin, if you want to chime in, go ahead. Otherwise, I have one last kind of closing question before we get over to the- Theoretical Thursdays. Yeah, I'll pass on that one. I don't got anything to add that's not been said. Sure, I get that. Um, last question here, guys, super, super important. He free said that the Auburn family was fractured, um, and it's something he hopes that he can repair. We talk a lot about the Auburn family on the show. Um, something super, super important um, from Dylan and I's perspective as alum, um, and and I hate to sound like you know the old wise man here in the room um, because I know Colin and Daniel, you guys are still very much in the middle of your tenures uh, at Auburn. Please soak it up and enjoy it on our on our accord. But something that, that's super, super near and dear to my heart, near, near and dear to Dylan's heart, and a very real thing, there was a disconnect within the Auburn family um, and Auburn fan base, rather, um, between the fans and the Harson t- administration, between the fans and each other during the Harson administration, and in hell, the fans and each other and the end of the Gus Malzahn administration. There is a, an inherent on, on the football side of things disconnect um and that needs to be repaired is Hugh Freeze the guy that can that can mend that at least for the time being I mean there's going to be discontent in every single fan base at any given time that's going to happen you're going to have your your I guess negative Nellies if you will but there is an element of can you please the masses Daniel you've got your hand up so I'm gonna let you go and open this one I'm sorry Colin I'm not trying to jump you but um give, oh, give, me, give me your Colin I was, I was going to let Colin open this, but, you, but you're Take there. it, Daniel. Right, go for it, Daniel. Okay. All right. Colin's cool with it all, Cup. So, um, I feel like the hiring of him was so controversial that it starts off in a pretty rough place still. Um, sure. Obviously, when you're landing a four-star recruit every other week and you're predicted to land a few five-stars, that starts to heal the wound a little bit. And there is one thing – that people just won't admit will make the negative people shut up, and that's winning, okay? If Hugh Freeze wins a national championship in 2024, 
you will be hard-pressed to find an Auburn fan who still cares about what happened at Ole Miss or that high school in the middle of backwoods, bum, you know what, Mississippi all those years ago. Sure. Not condoning that or Tennessee, whoever it was. Not condoning it, but no one will care. Okay? And that's just – I would say that to you if I was in your living room or at your kitchen table. Um, that's just me being honest with you, the listener of the College Loop. And um, – if you think otherwise, feel free to DM me on Twitter. It's right here. I'd love to talk to you about it. But if he develops a winning culture at Auburn, no one will care. And it will be a family again. Just to, just to echo that uh, and then let Colin go answer that question. Anything but Colin to answer this one, apparently. <laughs> don't, don't worry. I'm, I'm going to build off what Daniel said. The best PR move you can do for for a football team is, win games. is, is to win the game. <laughs> is to win games. Yep. And we saw that with the last tenure, how they didn't work all the controversy around him and, but he couldn't win. So it kind of built up this like disparity and utter just this hatred for the coaching staff and, and, and just people just not wanting to watch the team. And you saw that explode after Arkansas. And I'm talking my hands very much if you're, if you're watching, if you're listening. <laughs> I feel like part of it is when you're winning, people don't get bored. People don't start to look for things to get the guy out. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And, and it helped to put kind of like Williams in the interim head coaching stuff because he kind of picked up yes. those pieces and kind of put it together. Might be the and, best PR move by Auburn Athletics in recent memory. Oh, for sure. Because you have. Not to say Cadillac didn't deserve Coach Ball. I mean, hell, he, he earned that. Oh, he's he earned coaching that. waiting. Believe me, in a, in a couple of years, if Hugh Freeze gets, uh, leaves or whatever, Cadillac is going to be the head coach of the Auburn Tigers. And I am, you're never going to find another head coach that's going to have the entire backing of the fan base like this. But what Cadillac did is he put the pieces back together that Harson scattered everywhere. Now it's Hugh Freeze's job to be the glue that keeps those pieces together. Colin, is Hugh Freeze the guy? Uh, I think he can be. Obviously, like like Daniel said, he's a divisive character coming in. But when you're landing recruits and you're winning football games, all that disappears. Uh, it's not hard to make Auburn fans love Auburn football. You just have to win games. Absolutely. You, you summed it up perfectly. Daniel, you had something to add. Go ahead. Harson just reminds me of like a kid who will not study for a test. Everyone will tell them they need to study for a test. He'll make a four and two on the test. And be be like, Why did I fail? No, yeah. The actually, it's a perfect. Screwed me over. Perfect the synopsis. Are mean. <laughs> perfect, perfect synopsis. No, that's, that's, a, that's a great Piece point. Um, Man up. What, what it. What it boils down to, I mean, and this is the last Ryan Harson piece I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to mention real quick, and then I'm going to put a kind of a little bow on what you guys have said and kind of echo your sentiments. Brian Harson was a loser on and off the field, period. Brian Harson's yep. just a freaking loser. Um, he's a loser in every sense. He can't of control term. his house. He can't control his football program, and he steals cars. That's not slander. That's true. Okay, maybe the stealing car – well, that part's really funny, by the way. Uh, that <laughs> that lore is hilarious. Um the, the fact about not being able to control your house, not being able to control your, your program, I, I can actually get, get behind that. He was a loser uh, in, in any capa- every yep. capacity and an actual loser on the football field. Um, so, I mean, there's there's that. But to echo what Colin said, and I think he said it pretty much perfectly, Auburn fans want to love Auburn more than anything in the world. They do. They sure. absolutely do. That whole big game boomer bullshit when someone came out and said right, – when, when they came out and said that the – problem with the football program is the fans Auburn fans hear me now hear me well that's bullshit and don't let anybody lie to you um you are not the problem and and you, you never have been we, we can point you fingers are not the father yeah that's exactly we can point fingers at the powers that be and i'll lead the charge 
I'm right there behind you. I'm 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 in your corner. Um, but that being said, Auburn fans want to love Auburn, like Colin, like Colin mentioned. You give them a half decent product to get behind, and and, and they're in business, and and they're all on board. What we saw this past fall, when when Brian Harson was was removed for, from from his position, and Cadillac Williams was was the fearless leader of this charge, and I do mean fearless leader because of some bitch that dove head in, and he was all in, was how proud Auburn fans were of a guy, and 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 it does help that it was Cadillac, no doubt, absolutely, absolutely no doubt about that, but a guy who was committed to getting better and making the taking this program back to where it can be. Auburn fans, when somebody tells you that Auburn football historically is not one of the premier programs in, in college intercollegiate athletics and on the, on the football side, look them dead in the eye and tell them that's bullshit. Tell them, tell them at by Harrison Tar wants to talk to you. I'm being serious. And, and this is not just me getting on my Auburn, you know, high horse, you know, whatever you want to say, sunshine pump. This is a historically very good program. Uh, you can say what you want. It is hard to win national championships. It's even harder to be relevant year in, year out. And Auburn has achieved that in large over its entire tenure as, as, a, as a football entity. Hugh Freeze is that guy that he can bring the bring that winning record. And he kept the right guys in place. You still got Trevon Reed, you got an Auburn guy. You've still got Cadillac Williams, an Auburn guy. And if there was ever a spot that a coach like Hugh Freeze needed his second chance to be at, Auburn was the perfect place because it's got a culture around it that can foster all the positivity in the world. You guys have something that Georgia doesn't have, that Alabama doesn't have, and that is a fan base that is unwaveringly supportive, even even more so than you can show me any other fan base in the world, and I won't buy, I won't buy it. So kind of put a bow on that. Yes, I, I absolutely agree with you guys. I think Hugh Freeze can't be the guy. It's, it's about winning and losing at the end of the day, but the guy's got it figured out. So that's, that's my bit. D- Dylan... I'm really, really excited for this week's Theoretical Thursday. Um, I'm going to need to pop into backstage real quick. I'm going to ask you guys to pop me backstage for just one second because I have a little bit of a pressing matter um, super, super quickly. So I'm going to let you introduce that uh, super quick, and I will be right back. I'll give you a thumbs up when I'm ready to hop on. I know what we're talking about. I'm super pumped. Um, So if you guys could throw me backstage, I'm going to throw it over to Dylan real quick for Theoretical Thursday. All right. Let me do that. Then boom. There we go. All right, so today is Thursday. Of course, you know what that means. Theoretical Thursday. And from what I've been hearing, people are really interested to hear what we're going to say about this. Today's Theoretical Thursday topic. What if Brian Harson was not hired as head coach in 2021, but Auburn went out and got Hugh Freeze instead? And basically putting a two, giving Hugh Freeze a two-year head start on coaching Auburn uh, going into 2021 season where he'd probably have a, a, a better, better – uh, roster than he had in 2020 uh 2023 or 2022 whichever one i you know what i mean he'd have a better roster than he had again with liberty and he's fresh off a 10 and 1 record at that time with the first year with malik willis goes into a goes into a season where he has hugh freeze or he has a bo nicks an age bo nicks and recruiting i don't think takes a step back like it does with brian harson and just open up the floor with that uh, Tar, I'll start off with you. What if uh, Auburn hired Hugh Freeze instead of Brian Harson in the 2020 offseason? Man, um, you know, I, I we say this every week. This this is opens up in such an interesting world of 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 new perspectives, right? In the transition from the Malzahn era to the Hugh Freeze era, Hugh inherits a better roster than 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 Brian Harson did. Um, 
I don't think that we hear about these quote unquote locker room cancers that we heard about un- under um, Ryan Harson, which is probably just people saying, what the hell is this guy doing? He does not run a football program. And they were right. Um, I think from a, a, a personnel standpoint, you're already in a better place. Now the transfer portal still in its infancy at that point. I mean, very, very much in its infancy is more so than it is now. Interesting to see how that shakes out. And if Hugh Freeze is still able to pull one of those premier classes in the transfer portal. Sorry, I thought I had to sneeze there for a moment. My apologies. Um, I, I was I was fighting to sneeze pretty hard through that last <laughs> through that last sentence. But from a holistic standpoint, where Auburn is right now, they're on the bubble of being a college football playoff contender, in my opinion. Um, now, would he freeze have had enough time to develop? I think he really had some personal development as well, along with professional development at Liberty. If you can learn how to work the transfer portal at Liberty, it certainly translates beautifully. Uh, to, to Auburn, and 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 I think that we see that now, that that's already kind of in place. But still, from a personal standpoint, I think you started a higher benchmark. But do you still have the right guys in the right places in terms of Cadillac Williams, Travon Reed? I mean that that there that's a question, right? Zach Etheridge, like is are, are those guys still there? Was there some beauty in this somewhat downfall of Auburn football in terms of discovering where your leaders are in that room? Who's to say that that's, that's the biggest question for me is do you still have the right guys in the right places? Obviously Auburn football is just inherently in a better spot right now. If Hugh freeze takes over the reins as opposed to Brian Harson, because I think that you and I could have taken, or this, the four in here could have split up the duties and done just as well as Brian Harson um, on, on the coaching staff. I mean, that's sincerely by the way, and I've never coached a down or played a down of organized football. Uh, I, I it, he just kind of ran his program, that same mentality. So, um, I don't know, man. I, I think that Auburn could be on the cusp of college football playoff right now. That could also be an eight, a perennial eight and four team. Uh, who I, it's it's anywhere in between. Colin, I'm interested to get your thoughts. So I think I have a hard time going from Gus Malzahn to his buddy Hugh Freeze in that moment as an Auburn fan. Sure. I think that that Hugh Freeze does not get um, kind of the welcoming party that he got got now because we didn't go through those two horrible years under Brian Harson. I think that really readied the Auburn family to, to bring in Hugh Freeze to give him that second chance. But uh, I just want to echo everything you said. I mean, obviously he, he gets some of that talent from Gus and he hopefully would continue to bring talent in, whereas the Harson administration did not. So I think we would obviously be and in didn't a better position. To, by the way. No, but um, it's just that perception for me. It's if Auburn's ready for that, if uh, the SEC's ready, ready for that, in 2021 and i'm not sure i could say yes but that's why it's theoretical i guess that's right daniel your thoughts yeah so um kind of first i'm going to agree with what colin just said i'm not really sure um what the auburn fan response would have been in 2020 um but i do feel first before i get into mine the meat of my uh, point there's some things i think happen Number one, Bo Nix finishes his career as an Auburn Tiger. I feel like we Absolutely. can all agree. That's a good day. But in the t- off season between the 2020 and 2021 season, we have one hell of a quarterback battle between Bo Nix and Malik Willis and his return to Auburn. Because you best sure. believe that if Hugh Freeze is coming back to try to rebuild an SEC program – He's not going to take his biggest asset with him. If you honestly believe that, you're an idiot. I'm sorry. 
So Malik Willis is back on the planes. And what I think would end up happening there is the quarterback situation would be Bo Nix was there to throw, Malik is there to run. And I feel like they would have figured an, out a pretty good offense. Um, TJ Finley's never an Auburn Tiger. Hallelujah. Shout um, out. I, I don't think anyone would uh, be disappointed about that. Um, Malzahn had Cadillac Williams as his running back coach his last year at Auburn. Um, he did a good job. So I don't see a reason that Cadillac wouldn't be a part of the picture still, which means um, like Tank Bigsby was already in place. Dark West Hunter was already on the way. Um, I still think you end up getting Jamar, Jamar. Sorry, it's been a long day. I still think you end up getting Jamari Alston and Jeremiah Cobb and um, guys down the line. You know, this introduces a whole different butterfly effect, so we may never could see Brian Petit in all of our uniform, but in this situation, I don't think that really be that big of a deal. However, I don't think Cadillac Williams has nearly the respect that he deserves Bingo. in this scenario. Bingo. Because he never – just that situation would have never happened. Because obviously, like, we are very into athletics, the, the four of us. Like, we have a sports podcast, so clearly we like to follow what's going on. What about all of the Auburn students who, you know, and I'm not disrespecting you. If it's not your thing, you just want to show up on game day with your friends and you're just very casual about it, that's fine. I'm not judging you at all to each their own. It's just not that big of a thing for some people, and I completely get that. They did not know who Cadillac Williams was until he was the talk of the town. Sure. So I don't think Cadillac Williams nearly has the respect he deserves, like I said. I don't think he's the assistant head coach. And like Dylan said earlier in the show, I don't think he's the head coach in waiting at this point. Maybe you don't have a plan B. Maybe things are going well. Maybe Auburn is on the bubble of being a playoff contender. Maybe they're just a perennial eight and four team. Um, I still think there would have been a slight step back just from like Colin said, we're going from Buddy Gus to Buddy Hugh. Um, so I think they would have gone from eight and four, nine and three to seven and five for a little bit, but yeah, I think he would have gotten going and I feel like Auburn would just kind of be in that position that they were in between 2013 and 2019, where for the most part, you're just going to be one of that teams. that's always just a few bricks short of a load, um, an SEC championship game appearance, a new year, six bowl appearance here and there. Um, the question is when you get to those bowl appearances, do you lose them? Cause Gus Malzahn coaching a bowl game is one of the most pathetic things I've ever seen. And I love Gus Malzahn. Agreed. Um, I was disappointed when Gus Malzahn got fired. I was one of those Auburn fans. Um, agree. Also agree. So he could not coach in a bowl game. And I'm not going to act like he could. Um, I do think he Freeze can. Um, I've been in a bowl game he Freeze coached in. He did a great job in the Birmingham Bowl in 2013 against Pitt. So, yeah. Um I think Auburn's in a similar, a little bit better spot. Dylan, before you fill so a, a very sorry, sorry, a very long answer for a very short answer. So yeah, a little bit of a synopsis there, Daniel. You pretty much just said Malzahn 2.0. Don't disagree at all. Don't disagree. No, I'm. I'm it with took you. me five minutes to say that, but yeah. No, I, I think everything you, you mentioned was important. I, I think there was a breakdown, but but in large, Malzahn 2.0. I don't disagree with that. Um, Dylan, before you before you jump in here. Uh, I, I do want to point out kind of a common theme here. The best thing Brian Harson ever did at Auburn University might have been getting fired. 
Um, and and I and I mean that actually with some sincerity beyond the fact that like, I, I've called him a loser a lot today, and I will stand by it. Um, Brian, go ahead and block me on Twitter because you got your feelings hurt. I don't really care. The best thing Brian Harson might have done at Auburn was get fired because that opened the door for what we had no idea. We joked about this, right? Dylan, we were like, man, you know what? Excuse me, I'm sorry. You know what would be fun? Let Cadillac Williams coach this team. And we, 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 we joked about that. We, 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 talk, we talked about that, you know, uh, you know at, at tailgates and, and, you know, when we you know, catch up. And then Cadillac gets named the interim head coach, and you just watch people rally. I mean, they rally behind this guy. That might have been the best thing to come out of the entire Harson tenures. Now you look and go, wow, we got a guy that kids want to play ball for. And, 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 and unequivocally, unquestionably, the definition of if you, believe, if you love Auburn, it'll love you back. That might have been the best thing to come out of that tenure. And I think that as much as every part of the Brian Harson era sucked ass, it might have wound up being for the better because now you have a clear vision. One, a couple things. One, you let Q Freeze figure himself out that I think you need to figure out. But two, now you know how damn important it is to have Cadillac Williams heavily involved in this program. And I think he's the key to, to, to being involved. His involvement is the key to Auburn ever being a national championship contender again. Back back to you. I just want to point that out because it's been a com- common reoccurring uh, statement. I think we're all on the same page about it. Yeah, and I mean, I always go back and I look at that 2021 Iron Bowl, that four overtime game that Auburn was in it until the very end, until John Mechie did a little out route. Uh, and that, that, I believe that was Mechie, right? Yes. Yeah. And I look back and – Losing the Iron Bowl sucked. It sucked. It took a blow. Uh, a tear was shed. But in the long run, I am A-OK with the fact that Auburn lost that Iron Bowl strictly because it meant Harson didn't get extended. And, yeah, it'd, it'd be nice if Auburn kept kept some stability in hiring a, another Gus Malzahn at that time. But like you said, Tyler, I think I think you needed that those five years at Liberty to really get settled down and figure all the stuff out. Cause at this point he was only two years out of his hiatus uh, from college football. And, and he just got out of the COVID year. And I think with that, I look at recruiting and I think Auburn definitely stays pretty on par with what they are to top 15, top 12 and recruiting every year with you freeze. But to get to where we are now, you'd have to go through the lowest points of a fan base. And we talk about Cadillac a lot because he deserves it. Uh, and he, you look at that Texas A&M game. The score was 13 to 10. But if you look at the stands and look how people reacted, people about to rush the field for a 13 to 10 win for the fourth win of the season because that's just how much Cadillac got this fan base back on track. Auburn does not break the the season ticket record in the at this point now if you Freeze has been the coach since 2021. Because it's just you understand what you're getting because this is just a guy who we hired who is just another Gus Malzahn. And those sentiments get very, very, very vocal and because you're hiring – you fire Gus Malzahn and then you hire a guy who is coaches just like Gus Malzahn and a guy who is not aged enough as a head coach at Liberty to really, really get that. And you look at it from, from that standpoint and – if Auburn didn't go through Brian Harson, Auburn doesn't get the love and support for Cadillac. The fan base does not get rejuvenated. And Auburn does not go into the next few years of its program with bright eyes, bushy tails, and 
a hope that has not been there since 2020, if that. I, I think you just nailed it. Uh, I, I mean, I I really don't have a ton to to extend extend on that point, to be honest with you, uh, Dylan, because it's it's like it's like having a really toxic ex girlfriend um, or boyfriend, for that matter, um, someone that treats you like absolute dog shit. Um, and, uh, I, f- I feel like the rock It's the biggest piece of shit. Um, but someone that treats you horribly and, and really never cared about your well-being to make you appreciate that next person or the, or the one, um, I'm not saying cute freeze is the husband to Auburn football forever. That's not the analogy I'm making, but you had to have an opportunity for, you never want it. You certainly don't. Um, uh, but if you want to be great, you've got to go through kind of some serious adversity, not just as, as, as a team, but as, as a fan base, as, as a university, as an entity, um, to really, really understand what it takes to get everybody on board. Let's look at what happened under, <laughs> under Gene Chizik after, after his national championship run and that horrendous, you know, uh, uh, downfall of Gene Chizik and Daniel, I see your hand in one second. And then the rallying of support for Gus Malzahn in 2013. I mean, it, it unbelievable, right? Unreal. Uh, just, just look at that premise. It's not dissimilar. I just think that this is more sustainable. Daniel, go ahead. What do you have in between that toxic ex and finding the next one that you really appreciate? You've got your brothers to pick you up. And I was going to say your rebound, but yeah. <laughs> oh dear lord! Way to ruin my moment. Wow, you just really ruined my moment. Dang. All right. Well, I guess I'll chalk that one up as a loss. My moment got ruined. Can I can I throw out a little bit of history repeating itself for a second? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. All right, Daniel. Never mind. We're, <laughs> we're gonna <go> right now. <laughs> Let's look at Auburn football history real quick. And and I, this kind of just clicked to me kind of on the fly. And I, and I don't really know why I've not come up with this yet, truthfully, uh, because I think there's a lot of validity here. So Ralph Jordan coached at Auburn from 1951 to 1975. Then you had Doug Barfield. Gross. Hell yeah. That's my guy. Folks, who followed Doug Barfield? Pat Dye. Pat Just saying. Table set, right? I think that those comps are pretty fair. And then after uh, Pat Dye was Terry Bowden. Yeah, correct. <laughs> and then uh, was it Tommy Tub- Tuberville right after Terry? Is there someone I'm missing in between? Uh, Bill Oliver. Uh, was that just an interim? That's an interim. Just, just the 98 season. And then you get Tommy Tuberville. But rebound after rebound after rebound. Well, what I'm what I'm getting at is Auburn fans had at, at that point in time. That's kind of like Alzon. To I mean Jordan, uh, Jordan being a different situation, obviously, but longevity, right? Long long tenure. Nowadays, seven years was out of one stop is a long tenure, yeah. um, or eight years actually for Malzon, right? Um, you had your 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 Jordan without the all the all the all the accolades per se, but different game, right? Then you have your your Doug Barfield and Ryan Harson, and now the stage is set for history to repeat itself. For for Hugh Freeze to be the Pat Die uh, of of that. Now I don't I don't ever want to compare anybody to Pat Die. May he rest in peace. Uh, I mean he he is a legend uh, at Auburn, rightfully so. Um, but history repeats itself, and and this is kind of just almost too convenient and almost a little bit of a cop out. I'm probably gonna have some people come after me for that, but the table's set, right? I like what you said. It's funny looking back at Auburn history now that Auburn has had 
but except for the in between from going Pat down to Terry Bowden, because I think Terry Bowden was a pretty decent. Oh, absolutely. Was worth. absolutely. He had, but he, he, but again, Terry Bowden didn't have which one good season really in 1993. And that year kind of got thrown out the window because they, I think some kind of uh, rule that Auburn broke. But you go Jordan, rebound with Barfield, die. Bowden, you got, you got to looked up with back to back. Uh, great coach and Pat Dye and a decent coach and Terry Bowden. Bowden, so, Oliver, Tuberville. And then you rebound with Oliver. Then you get Tommy Tuberville. And then you get a flashy rebound in Gene Chizik, who got a national championship, but eventually was not that guy. So kind of a rebound. Kind of a maybe, maybe this rebound will work out, but it didn't kind of thing. Then you get Gus Malzahn. And then you get a maybe the worst coach in all football history and Brian Harson, based on how you feel about Doug Barfield in that conversation. That's a that's a good poll question right there. No, Who it's not. Brian Harsh is the worst history in the of Auburn athletics. Continue. There we go. And now you kind of flash in the fact that Hugh Freeze is now finishing up a pattern. And outside of the Terry Ballard and Pat Dye era right there, it's history tends, like you said, history repeats itself. And Auburn gets got to have a rebound here to Freeze. Absolutely. I, it's, I'm not saying that Hugh Freeze is the next Pat Dye. Nobody say that. Nobody no. try to put those words in my mouth. But Tom, it's not a bad thing he's the next, if he's the next Tommy or if he's the next Gus Malzahn or the next Terry Bowden or any of – like the later guys. After, he's not, it's not a bad thing if he's the next Tommy. Senator Tuberville to you. Thank you. <laughs> but, uh, Tom, answer your question real quick. Uh, if Brian Harson does not get hired as Auburn Tech coach, he is just still going to be this, he's going to be the most loved man in Idaho still forever and always uh, to answer your question. I just saw uh, Harson stays in Boise if in this case because – and. It, Harson still has some respect amongst college football fans in the, in this world, which is hilarious to think about. But just to think of Hugh Freeze as the the after the rebound, the uh, it just makes so much sense that this one sh- and even if it's like a Gus Malzahn level rebound, Gus Malzahn was competitive every like two years really in the SEC. Every and, odd year, yes. Yeah, and nothing. Nothing about that should upset Auburn, and, and I think after Auburn fans and after the Harson era, I think Auburn fans would be okay with Gus Malzahn level, like production, maybe a little bit more in those even years, you know, like you were saying, but still be okay with the fact that we've been at rock bottom, we've been here before, but the the rejuvenation of the Auburn fan base after what we had to go through with Potato Man, just shows the love and support that this team wants to have for Auburn. And you saw that when two three-win teams played each other in Jordan Air Stadium, and it was a sold-out crowd for that game in Western Kentucky because people just wanted to sit down, watch Auburn play under a guy they knew that loved Auburn, wanted Auburn to succeed. With And that's just why Cadillac Williams is forever and always going to be holding a special place in everyone's heart, no matter when you became an Auburn fan. If you, don't even, if you never even knew Cadillac played at Auburn football, if you played football for Auburn. You love them. Even if my girlfriend's a Georgia fan, <laughs> she loves Cadillac Williams. And Cadillac raised hell on Georgia teams when he was a running back back in the day. But she sat down and listened to Cadillac speak. And uh, she shed tears whenever, alongside me as well, whenever Cadillac gave that speech at the AM win. Just you're listening to a guy who loves Auburn like a fan does, but has the ability to bring the team together more than any other fan can. Yeah, Lauren was only crying because she saw that you cared more about your football team than you do her, but that's all right. Um, 
Whoa. Not, no, no. Um, nope. I'm going to jump in here and uh, say what I think uh, Brian Harson's next career move is. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian Ambassador. Um, no. Continue. I think that Brian Harson is going to be a um, U.S. senator from the state of Idaho because uh, you know what happens to them? Larry Craig. Okay. I don't get that reference. Yep. Yeah, that movie uh, research. That, that was that was certainly one of the one of the takes of all time. <laughs> um, <laughs> this has been a great theoretical Thursday, guys. I've actually really, really enjoyed this one um, and, and a great show. Um, so let's uh, let's go around the horn. Also, before we get out of here, um, just one more time. Damn, Colin. Proud of you, man. Really proud of you. Way, way to represent the brand and and uh, and a program that uh, Dolan, Daniel and I are all so, so, so proud of. I know you are, too. Um Proud alumnus of Eagle Eye TV as the as, as myself. Um, so super, super stoked for you. Tell everybody where they can find you, love you, and support you. Yeah, I uh, appreciate you guys. But yeah, um, it's uh, at Byersdorf Colin on Twitter, B E Y E R S D O R F. And then tune in to my radio show, 365 Day Grind, uh, every Tuesday at 5 p.m. on Weagle 91.1. Let's go. Yes, sir. Daniel, go ahead. Uh, written work for the Auburn Wire and for 1819 News have some really, really cool stories coming out in the next couple of weeks about Auburn athletics, um, particularly our former Tigers and the pros. So real excited for the opportunities I've had to sit down with some of those um, guys. Um, some real cool stories. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke. It's right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Right on. I'm Harrison Tarr at by Harrison Tarr on the Bird app. If you're following along with us here on the YouTube channel, make sure you like, subscribe, ring the bell so you can stay up to date on all the newest college loop craziness. We've got a ton of stuff. Uh, we're putting out hashtag content every single day. Shout out um, everyone here in this in this chat. Shout out the greatest intern of all time, the goat Colin Byersdorf, uh, for keeping our uh, giving us uh, the leg up there. Uh, like I said, as always, if you guys have thoughts. Questions, concerns, strongly held beliefs, demands, whatever. Um, drop them in the comments here. We want to make sure that we interact with you guys as much as we can. We want to foster that that communicational uh, community here. We love all of our listeners here at the College Loop. You guys are the reason we can do this. Uh, make sure you check out all of our friends over at the War Four Family of Podcast uh, Podcast ne- uh, Excuse me, Podcast Network. Um, that's the guys over at the Up Tempo Podcast and uh, all the guys over at the War Report. Uh, as far as everything else on that front, Dylan, that's all I've got for today. I'll let you get us out of here. And I'm Dolan at you will think on Twitter if you're watching. It's just right there. It's also in the description below and all of our Twitters down there as well. And while you're down there, go ahead and like, comment, subscribe. Leave your topics for Theatrical Thursday. Ask us questions. What do you think about Hugh Freeze? Who should start at quarterback? Uh, all that jazz. And you can pretty much follow us literally anywhere. Uh, what TikTok. color will the Gatorade be at bath be for the first Hugh Freeze win? <laughs> They're not going to dunk him for UMass, believe me. Uh, but yeah, oh, follow you, us. Absolutely you do. What? Continue. You, you absolutely do, Orange, yeah, for sure. Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, all that jazz. All the tick, the Twitter, and the YouTube are now well over 400 followers on both things. So we're Let's getting go. so so close, right? Turn now. me up, turn me Call, up. To Colin having to do a little dance on TikTok. So get it in before his internship ends. Exactly, and of course, turn it, tune into the next episode of the College Loop. We're going to be doing the defensive back preview, and. Do a little conversation on should Auburn run a two quarterback set in 2023. But, with all that being said, it's been the College Loop podcast.